I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hi, Kieran. How are you? Can I be on vacation yet? <laughs> yes. I think it's time. Okay. It's time, right? It's, it's time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the, like, season finale like we're gonna take our our annual september break here but also like i actually am like piecing the fuck out for a minute (laughs) so good you need that it's like my first actual vacation since like peace corps i think oh wow yeah like i've been on trips but i've always worked on them Mm -hmm. like i'm not planning on doing any work on this trip good excellent Way overdue. Yes. I'm so glad for you. You'll be almost, you'll be like in my time zone. I will be in your time zone. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a really rough month. So I'm really happy to be like getting the fuck out. Yeah. I'm so excited. I got Mm -hmm. my blue card, which means I can leave Germany. So I'm going to be in Spain in October, which I'm very excited about. What is a blue card? It's the it's a residence permit. It's the residence mm-hmm. permit that means that like you can work here. Nice. So I don't actually have a blue card. I have a residence permit based on my spouse's blue card and she has the gotcha. blue card. But it's it's actually so the Landesamt fucked up. And they said the, that I'm the what? Off, the Landesamt. It's like the uh foreign office. Okay. The Foreign Affairs Office. Um, Sorry, you're going to start throwing around German in these episodes and I'm just going to be stuck. I'm fucking up the pronunciation too. I'm just like, it's all these words sort of together. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I went to the the Foreign Affairs Office to get our blue card and they messed up. So I'm supposed to be here under the like spousal accommodation, which is its own section in the German code. However... Mm -hmm. Despite handing them my ID, my marriage certificate that has been translated into German, somehow I am here under the authority of child reunification. (laughs) We are not that far apart in age. So, like we are, we are in the same generation. It is not. So you could you could literally say that your visa says I am baby. Basically, yes, that is what it says. And I just, I'm really hoping that doesn't like fuck me over later when we buy a condo and they're like, but you're not here on an adult visa. I'm like, well, take it up with the bureaucracy because I don't know how to file a report. They saw how tall I was and they can't amend it. Right. Yeah. I'm like, Sorry. just because I'm 152 centimeters does not mean. <laughs> Yeah, That's we had to funny. give we had to give our height in centimeters, but thankfully we didn't have to give our our weight because I don't know how to translate kilos. I don't, also, I don't like know. who the fuck cares, right? Yeah. Um, so, but I, I'm funny. free to move about uh, Europe, and I can't be deported from Germany until 2026. So, when you're in Barcelona, you have to go to the Gaudi Cathedral. It's incredible, like. Since leaving the church, I have had two, like, 
super intense art inspired religious experiences. One was seeing the bonsai at the uh, Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. And the other was going into that cathedral. Okay. And I will put that on my list. It's it's so good. It's it's incredible. Um just soak it up. Sweet. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to like so I'm gonna be there for a conference, but it's an unconference and it's for Linux hackers and I don't know shit about Linux. I'm just there to like hang out with people. So I'll be like volunteering and then just like fuck off when I get bored and go explore. <laughs> You're Melanie Linsky and uh, uh, ever after. I'm only here for the food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, like I'm here for the train ride and to see people <laughs> and to great. have like food with flavor because Germans do not understand spices yeah that reminds me i need to like figure out like what what i'm putting in your care package besides gluten-free mac and cheese this is we're doing like mexican food (laughs) spices yeah yeah Yeah. spices gluten-free oreos the important things important things yeah there Mm -hmm. is so in my in the grocery store that is in my basement there is like a tiny shelf in the international food section for the continent of America or North America, I guess, not South America. And so, and there's also like, uh, like two like British cookies, but there's like, there's marshmallow fluff. There's pop tarts. There's some brand of Mac and cheese I've never heard of. There's hot sauce, which is like the only, place in the store you can find the hot sauce and there's there's maple syrup and there's hershey's syrup there's no peanut butter no like they peanut butter exists here we have so in the u.s there's jiff and Mm -hmm. here is jeff (laughs) they don't taste even close to the same but i buy it anyway because i'm like it's close enough in me it's amazing (laughs) um also, apologies, listeners. This is not what you came here for, but sorry. <laughs> Our podcast, we get to do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> we make the rules. We make the rules. <laughs> Still so, like, entertained by that re- review. Yeah. I guess we can, we can take this moment to talk about that, that one lovely review. Did you know we're mean and catty? And also cruel. Oh, and cruel, yeah. Yeah. Basically, because because we're not nice enough about religion and the far right. <laughs> Karen is giving the most intense skinny eyes. Like <laughs> I feel like we were pretty upfront in our podcast description about what we're about. Yeah, like it's on the label. Yeah. So anyway. We're if not you, for everyone, and that's okay. <laughs> if you like us, feel free to drop us a review because apparently only people who don't like us give us reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is not that many, apparently. Yeah, which is, is so you know, funny. It's just, I, it's funny. I don't care, but I just laughed really hard. And 
thought I, would I needed share. I needed the laugh. It was thank you, person who wrote that comment because I really did need the laugh. And I mean, we're doing the right thing if that's the kind of review we're getting. Yes, exactly. It's very validating. It's one of those like so. I have a couple things that I print out sometimes and I put on the wall, and one of them was the this Nazi article about how terrible I am because I think that homeschooled kids should have rights and they're like, Oh yes. That was one of my favorites. This Marxist queer anti-fascist terrible person. I'm like, yes, thank you. Going on my wall. Please finish my resume. I will make sure to send you updates. And and this comment is going to go up there, up there with that whenever I get a printer again. I mean, yeah, it's pretty great when when that that kind of person gets really upset and paranoid about how much power you have. It's yeah, a, it's, it's interesting. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it as a compliment. Thanks, Dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, speaking of pissing people off, yes, this book is great, and I I just. I'm so excited to talk about it. Yes, yes. Oh man, I was it's an intense book and there is like huge huge content warning for eating disorders because it is like a huge huge piece of this story and of the book, but the eating disorder part is not really what we're going to talk about because as it turns out, homeschooled kid writes book. So, we're talking about <laughs> Jeanette McCurdy's I'm glad my mom died her memoir. And obviously that title is, uh, this and people off. And it is delightful. The reactions, the conversation is just very telling. You know, if you read the book again, yeah. Content warning, there's super intense and graphic eating disorder details that are throughout the whole book. So if that's not your thing, um, you know, it might come up in this episode. So feel free to skip. And if, you know, just like get the spark notes on the book instead of reading it. But yeah, homeschooled kids writes book about mom being abusive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's refreshing to read a book about someone who is going through the experience of like coming to the realization that their parent was abusive and yeah. and having to cope with that and also like all of all of the mixed emotions and grief that come with it because that is something that is not talked about very often ever cuz moms are glorified as these like people who could never hurt you and never be bad and only ever want what's best for you. And how dare you, even if they were abusive, you're going to regret it later when you're old for reasons is what I've been told. So (laughs) this book for, for the memoir writers out there, like this book is, is kind of a masterclass in how to allow your narrator to be unaware that they're being abused while making it very, very clear that they are being abused by just documenting what the person is saying and doing mm-hmm. without any editorial editorializing. Um, it's really well done. Okay. But what, so what's the, what's the summary? What's the narrative arc here? 
uh, child actor, homeschooled, enmeshed with her mother. Mother finally fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> like halfway through the book, I'm just like, can her mom just fucking die already? Like, please, for the love of God, die. Um, and finally yeah. that that did happen. Um, which like I'll note the book was never like, yay, my mom died. Like there was that wasn't the author was not hoping for her death. And in fact, it's the opposite. There was no Why, celebration like, of it. There was yeah. no celebration. And and like it resonated so deeply as someone whose main abuse came from their mother, like just holding all of that, that like, well, you want your mom to be happy. Like that's your whole thing. And like the enmeshment mm -hmm. and the whole like kind of journey of realizing that was so not okay. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. So Jeanette McCurdy, if you don't know who she is, was uh, a Nickelodeon kid, child star. And um, she never wanted to act. This was like her mom's thing. And her mom was, I get the impression her mom was a hoarder. And her dad was kind of a passive non-entity. Her grandparents lived with them and just kind of did whatever her mom said. Her two younger brothers also kind of like put up and shut up. Mm -hmm. Younger, I think one maybe think, one was older. Yeah. Um. Anyway, two brothers. Uh. And she was just, you, you know, enmeshed with her mother in such a way that she was kind of depersonalized, like her emotional attunement and emotional like interior landscape was entirely mapped on how is my mother, what is her mood, how can I like appease her and mm -hmm. keep her happy and that really sets up the entire narrative arc because everything goes back to like not realizing that you're terrified of your mom but you're being but you're terrified of your mom and you think that you love her a lot and your whole body is like freaking out because you're so terrified of your mom mm -hmm. yeah and then like being away like for the first time and and suddenly not having that fear and anxiety is like <laughs> such a shock to the system. And I've never really seen anyone talk about it quite like that in a book. Yeah, she, like, be, she falls into real intense alcoholism because she feels guilty. I mean, like for a host of reasons, but like, Initially, because she feels guilty that she's relieved mm -hmm. to not have her mom living with her. Her mom lived with her in her, like, first apartment for a little bit. And, like, so, like, being relieved that her mother was, like, too ill to participate in things. Mm -hmm. Her mom had recurrent breast cancer. And uh, so just drinking a lot to stay in denial about how relieved she was really, you know, messed a lot of things up for her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just also remembered the boyfriend, the the boyfriend who believed he was Jesus. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's some yeah. really great there's some really great depictions of like, you know, new agey, culty, toxic positivity, uh, 
thinking with this guy she ends up with and mm-hmm. turns out he's he's uh has schizophrenia and it gets treatment and gets better but like the breaking point is he's he's fallen into evangelical fundamentalism and then down the rabbit hole he decides that he's actually jesus himself yeah which you know <laughs> oops really um and jeanette's mormon and that's a that factors into things so you have some purity culture stuff showing up not as intensely as others but that's definitely part of it um mm-hmm. And yeah, let's, what was what was the homeschooling dynamic here? Like what's, I feel like she's pretty much a textbook example of, of what we know happens with these starlets. Mm-hmm. What surprised you about the, the depiction of being homeschooled so that you could be a child actor? Well, yeah, so like that's, it's a really common thing that happens is you either homeschooled or like in California, there's multiple ways you can be homeschooled. And one of them is through tutoring or private school or whatever. And a lot of studios offer like studio schools, which are basically private tutoring slash private schools run by the studio. And that's a form of homeschooling, but you're at work and your labor is exploited because you're a child. But on top (laughs) of that, she was not included in that. She was her mom, quote unquote, homeschooled her outside of the school that all of her peers on on set were in so even even on set even surrounded by other people she was still being isolated and controlled entirely by her mother and not given other perspectives or other resources because she was homeschooled outside of a program it reminded me of like there's homeschoolers who participate in co-ops and stuff. And like, that's, that is a little bit better for socializing and like learning how to interact with your peers and learning how to like work with each other and like learning how to like have deadlines and like show up on time and like mm-hmm. <laughs> sit in a chair for like lessons and all the, you know, all these like rudimentary social things that we don't learn. Yeah. Um, in the super isolationist homeschooling. And like, I wasn't allowed to go to co-op. And so like I was jealous because my peers were going to the co-op and like having classes and like having other people besides their mothers teach them some and reading Jeanette's description of what being homeschooled in that context at the studio school was like really resonated with that. Cause like she did have tutoring, but it was still separate from the other kids and, and controlled by her mother. And so her access to everything was still like, you know, you go through mom first and fo- foremost. Mm-hmm. So you're still missing out on all the social things. Like the heartbreaking description of her, like learning how to make a friend for the first time. Yeah. Oh my God. Really, <sighs> really relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was very relatable content. I I felt that. I was like, that's, Yeah. Yeah. And just really, like, her mom kept her so isolated from everyone and everything and was, like, so enmeshed 
like I it, just, it reminded just, me a lot of it was just <laughs> come out and say it. <laughs> it reminded me so much of like my mom and like if my mom had had less kids, what would have wound up happening is just so much of her mom's identity was pushed onto her and that was allowed and enabled to happen by the other adults in her life, mm-hmm. by the isolation that homeschooling inherently brings, and by the other abusive people on set. And so her whole entire life, she has spent being abused by her mother while that abuse is ignored and looked away from. And even at some point, doctors confront her mother being like, your child is not healthy. And her mother says she's fine because her mother is the one who is abusing her into an eating disorder. And every, every, every avenue that she could have had was cut off, like of support was cut off from her. There's this whole thing where her mother is essentially sexually molesting her and her brothers. And it's like framed as like, inspections to because mom has had breast cancer and so you know I have to check your bodies and your genitalia to make sure that you don't have cancer and that's kind of like the ruse it's she uses Mm -hmm. so she like bathes her children all the way up through high school and and so she's doing these quote-unquote inspections every time she bathes them and like won't let them do things like Jeanette's not allowed to wash her own hair, things like that where, and because of this isolation, like she doesn't figure out that that's not normal for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't like it, but like she accepts it, but it's, she doesn't realize that this is not a thing. (laughs) No, she completely dissociates and has no, like no idea that that's, messed up that that what is actually happening is she is being abused and and she she feels bad about like her reaction to her mom she she recognizes that she's dissociating but she feels guilty for it and like doesn't recognize that that's a sign that something is off here yeah which is also like relatable content yeah and then yeah her mom teaching her the eating disorder her mom like forcing her into like anything that the mom was, you know, interested in became Jeanette's thing. So you're not realizing that you have interests or hobbies outside of that. Like I remember Mm -hmm. feeling a lot of pressure, like love my mom. She's complicated. We have a complicated relationship. It's definitely nowhere, anything like this, but there was a one thing that reminded me of was my mom really wants me to write children's books and illustrate children's books. And like this constantly comes up. Like if I write an article that like she finds depressing, I'll get an email being like, have you considered writing happy things? Like (laughs) children's book idea. And, and it's, it's, it took me a really long time to figure out that that was because she wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she realizes that she wants to do that, but like, that's not my thing. That's her thing. And she is mm-hmm. like, you know, like live your dream lady, like do it. But do like it. similarly to the acting, like the acting was what the mom wanted to do. The mom wanted to be the, you know, the star and 
you know, so she's pushing her daughter into the spotlight and living through her by proxy. I mean, it's a lot of this is like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a specialist in these things to armchair diagnose, but it reminded me a lot of the Munchausen by proxy stuff. It's like fame by proxy. Just like, and then also if you do anything wrong, mom gets sick Mm -hmm. and that's a punishment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. Like I think people who grew up like us or, you know, grew up with controlling complicated mother relationships will, will resonate with, I feel the, like the complexity of like, yes, I'm like really sad that, you know, I can't make my mother happy and I'm really sad that she's dying and I miss her. And also like, I could not have a fucking life Mm -hmm. if she was still alive. Yeah. The only reason like Jeanette quits acting, figures out what she wants for herself, like has a healthy relationship has like, you know, the ability to take care of herself and going to therapy and getting sober and like, you know, recovering from her eating disorder is because her mother died. Yep. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's something that is more common than people realize is just like the amount of hold that an abusive parent or an abusive partner has on you and like that's not your fault and this it takes like a drastic cutting of the relationship either through like actual death or through uh, estrangement in order for you to figure yourself out like I had to go through her her process of like realization that she didn't know who she was Mm -hmm. was something that I went through when I was 19 and my parents were like we don't want to talk to you anymore because you said not everyone should homeschool. I know it was terrible. I was the worst child ever. It was, how you dare I? Basically <laughs> a bigot. Yeah, I, I, I was cruel and bigoted, taking responsibility for my own educational neglect and saying maybe that's a bad idea. But yeah, and I just like realized that I'd spent so much of my energy trying to read my mom's mood, trying to please her, trying to live up to her constantly changing expectations and wants and desires, even though like I did fight her on things. Like I I drew lines in the sand because I wasn't going and, to. And Jeanette does like, too. And, it, yeah. and, it, and it's like, it doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, it doesn't, there's nothing that you can do at that point that's going to make your parent happy. And one of the solidifying things for me that like I remember it as I got older was at some point when I was a teenager, I was like, do you want us to literally be clones of you and do literally every single thing that that you did? And they said yes. Hmm. And at that point I was like, that's not what I want. This is not going to work. No. and uh, And you have to like – And it's really hard to accept that you're never going to be what pleases your parents because what they want is something that is impossible for you to give. And that's their problem. And then it's up to you to figure out everything. Coming to terms with that is so, so fucking hard. 
I want to talk about her first therapy experience, but yeah. before I do, I want to like what you're saying reminded me of a thing that <laughs> when I stopped speaking to my father and got divorced, I suddenly had so much space in my brain. Mm-hmm. And it was really bewildering. And I, I say this to my friends who are leaving abusive relationships a lot. It's like, you don't realize how much you have been acting as like an external hard drive for your abusive partner. Mm-hmm. And you're about to get all that like space back. Like you're going to like have so much more attention and emotional bandwidth and energy to like think about your needs Literally and your wants anything and your else. desires. Anything or yeah, anything else. Literally anything else. It's and a healthy relationship won't like you will be aware of and you will be attuned to each other, but like you're not going to be constantly like running through like checking things like am I going to set this off am I like what's the mood how am I going to like navigate this how am I going to be mm-hmm. like responsible for like fixing things like you don't have to walk not on your eggshells j- it's not your job you shouldn't have to do that yeah and if you feel relieved like when you leave a relationship because it felt like that like good stay out yeah that was a sign <laughs> that's a sign that's it's a sign. done <laughs> Don't go back. Um, yeah. Now, um, uh, I wanted to talk about her her first therapy experience because, oh, my God. Oh, yes, Was yes, Was that yes. relatable? Yes. The first time my ex-husband told me that, like, I think your dad is abusive, I was so pissed. I was livid for, like, days and days and days and days. But, yeah, you want to describe the scene yeah, so so she's going to therapy because her boyfriend is like, you need therapy or I'm out. And she's like, okay, fine. And so. Specifically her for her eating disorder. For her eating disorder, yeah. And so her therapist like buddies up with her and like goes to events and things and, and like sticks around with her, makes sure that she's eating and like keeping food down and like, you know, getting better and improving and a situation comes up with her mother and like she just has like a full panic attack and the therapist is like trying to work her through the panic attack and being like, okay, so why, why did this come up? What is what is behind this? What's the source? And eventually we get to the source is that her mother is the one who gave her the eating disorder. And the therapist is like, that was abusive. And she just can't because her, I like it is incompatible with her idea and understanding of her mother as a loving, if somewhat controlling person. Well, and her understanding of herself and her childhood and her, like, entire perception of the world. Yeah. So she quits therapy. She just goes to this lady and just, like, boop, we're done. And I, (laughs) the number of times I have seen people have that kind of reaction because they're unable to, like, you know, once you pull out that thing that, 
you know, at the base of the Jenga pile, the entire tower mm-hmm. is going to fall and you have to rebuild it without the thing that didn't fit. Yep. And that's a and lot it's of work. Hard. It's so hard. And like you don't like most people don't want to grow up and have the realization that they were a victim of child abuse. No, ongoing I, child abuse. Like it is not a fun realization to have. It sucks. I was, <laughs> as a teenager, I was like, yeah, I had a good childhood. Like as, you know, a young 20 something. Yeah, it was like, it was like a t- intense, but like mostly fine. Yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard to like come to terms with that and like to like say the words out loud. Like this person I love and loved so deeply abused me Mm -hmm. this person that i gave my entire childhood to used that against me and abused me throughout that entire childhood like it's rough it is and it takes like i remember my ex was the person who like told me that what my parents were doing and how they were treating me was wrong and that it was abusive and i was like at that point, I was ready to hear it because I was over their shit, but it was still like a blow. And it still took several days to like process. I mean, it took and- me years to be able to like say, yes, this was abusive. Yeah. 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 And like that, that too, like I was able to recognize, okay, that was abusive, but I, I wasn't able to say that like my parents abused me. Or Mm -hmm. like I had an abusive childhood or like I wasn't, it took me a long time to be able to like say that out loud and, and to, to be uh, like, to not defend my parents because I would, I would be like, oh yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you know, they made me run the house and help out with delivery without telling me it was going to be bloody when I was a child and that definitely traumatized me but they weren't abusive they were fine it was okay like I wasn't allowed to learn math because I was a girl but it was okay like they're fine like it took me die so like I'm fine I literally say that like I didn't die it was okay (laughs) like no just because I didn't die from the untreated infection does not mean it was okay if only, if only, like, people like us could hear ourselves in those moments, like, the ability to, like, hear, hear yourself. Yeah. And hear what you're saying, hear what you're justifying. It takes so much work to get there because you just, you just don't know because you normalize everything if you're just that isolated. And, you know, a, a good metric for me is always like would I be mad if one of my friends was being treated this way Mm -hmm. um and I don't see Jeanette really like getting to that point but like I I have a one of my friends like like started standing up for herself more when she started dating someone new and was watching that person be like mistreated by some of their friends Mm -hmm. and she was like oh my God, how could they do this to them? And then was like, wait a second, I let people do this to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so rude when that happens. <laughs> and like, I, I, Jeanette doesn't really have that experience, but like that's another common one along this like this line of like self-discovery of like, oh fuck. Yeah. I've been putting up with way too much. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I still have those realizations where I'm like, why do I just like, I could say something. I could not be this way. I could, I could like not be as chill as I am. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are way too chill. <laughs> In case you needed to hear that. Yeah. You are way, way, way too chill. Like I could be less chill and everyone would actually be fine with that. Mm-hmm. But it's the getting mm-hmm. to that point where I'm like, mm-hmm. the route to the action stage is gone. <laughs> but I'm halfway there. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this is just, it's, this book is bite-sized chapters, super, super short, little vignettes. It builds, oops, my chair is squeaky, sorry. It builds on itself really um, intensely. Like, like the, the craft of it is very good. Um, but it feels like it's a quick read, even mm-hmm. though it's, it's like kind of long. Yeah. I mean, I read it in like two days on my phone. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's a pretty the, quick read. It is really intense, though. The audiobook is how I read it. And it was like I would sit in the car after I got home, like not ready to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I stayed up until four in the morning on accident. And I, I was I was like, I'll just read for an hour. And then my phone's like, it's going to die in an hour. And I was like, OK, I plug it in and I keep reading and I get to chapter 69. And I guess I'm like, I guess this is a fine stopping point. And I looked nice. and it's four in the morning. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So if you can, if you can, you know, handle the ED stuff, it's really good. Um, I'm really happy this book exists. Like, yeah, me too. I, I think it is provocative in all the right ways. Yeah, I just think it's really important to be talking about the fact that like child abuse happens. And, like, mothers can perpetrate it. And, like, it's bad. I'd really love <laughs> to pair this with Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford as, like, a, like, syllabus on these these themes. Because, like, the two of them hit very similar yeah. notes in very different yeah. ways. But it's just, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. So buy the book if you want to read it. We'll put the it's link in the show good. notes. Yeah. But yeah, short episode today. Cause yeah. I'm going on vacation and I need to You, know, you need to pack away. and do stuff and I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I'm so close. I'm so ready. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Thank you everyone for sticking with us and being so understanding about the schedule ridiculousness that is when one of the people moves across an ocean and then you have to navigate six hours of time difference instead of three. (laughs) Yeah. A lot this year. And a lot. And I've been dealing with some rough stuff with my brother and we had to ask him to leave. And so it's just been, he's gone now and we're in the aftermath. Mm. Oh my God. I'm so tired. Yeah. So anyway, Thanks for hanging in with us. Uh, we will be back in October with some fresh material. Yes. And in the meantime, if you want to join our Slack, you can do that through our Patreon and send us ideas about what you want us to 
talk about for season five. And if you like the show and have the time, feel free to leave a review, maybe outlining exactly how we're cruel and bigoted. I would appreciate that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Also, <laughs> I'm um, really curious to know. <laughs> there's another there's another comment, uh, another review that we kind of mentioned, like the paywall and access. And I just want to reiterate, like we always, always, always make things accessible to anyone who asks because of financial difficulty or like you're trying to like hide from parents or whatever, like just shoot us an email. Yep. Kitchen table yeah. cult at gmail.com. We will take care of it. Um, you know, the, the Patreon is, is nice pocket change and it, it helps keep us afloat, but, um, you know, that's, that's not why we're doing it. <laughs> Yeah, if you need if you need access to an episode, we are happy to send you a link. Just just let us know. We can do we can do what we can. All right. Take care of yourselves. Drink your water. Eat something. Take your meds. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening. 